0: Us, we can never forget what you have done for us, Lord. We stand here today enriched by your sacrifice. We stand today in your presence with no shame, with no guilt, because of what your blood has done for our lives. Lord, we thank you that we stand today faultless in your presence, invited. Lord we thank you that you bridged the gap for us to come into your throne of grace before your throne of grace so boldly and Lord I thank you if we ever want to understand the value that you place on each one of our lives we have to look no further than the cross the sacrifice and the price that you paid for each one of us if we ever question Do you love us and do you care? We need to look no further than what you have done for us and what you've come through. Lord, today we stand here so thankful. So thankful for the great length that you went to, that only you could go to to redeem our lives and to bring us into the wonderful, wonderful salvation that we now enjoy. And not only that we now enjoy, that secures an eternal future where we will sing praise without end to your wonderful name and to everything that you've accomplished for us. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Come on, yeah, let's give him a praise as we sit down. Let's thank our musicians as well for the blessed time we've had this morning. Is anybody excited for Christmas? Amazing. Just over a week, and we're going to be unwrapping presents and getting excited and seeing what Santa Claus has brought us. All of that's going to happen. But today, I want us to go back to the first Christmas. We're going to concentrate our time today on looking at that first Christmas where Jesus came into our world. And I believe that the emphasis of this service and the message that the Holy Spirit wants us to catch this morning, each and every one of us, is this, that even though we may live in a dark world, The darkness cannot overcome the light and the life that's inside you. What is the darkness today that maybe your life's undergoing, that's trying to engulf you? What is the darkness today that's trying to press you back and resist you? What is it? Is it an ailment in your body? Is it a situation in your life that's pressing and trying to crush you and cause you to be anxious? Is it a mental darkness? Is it a physical darkness? Is it a circumstantial darkness today that's pressing against your life? Well, I believe the Holy Spirit today wants to encourage every single one of us and strengthen our hearts. And assure us that He's with us. Assure us that the darkness that we face, the darkness that's trying to engulf us, the darkness that is trying to overcome us, great as it may be, it will not, it will not overcome the light and the life of Christ within you, within you. I just want, as we begin, to give you a recap of some of the things that we talked about a week last Sunday. We began to uh, look at the Gospels. We said that our New Testament opens with four Gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Wonderful, wonderful accounts of Jesus' life and the birth narrative of Christ. Matthew, Mark, and Luke give us a very detailed a very historical account of that birth narrative of how Christ came into our world and without their insights Without their details, we would never be able to assemble an accurate picture as to what happened right back there in that first Christmas when Jesus came into our world. But when we take all of the aspects from those three apostles, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we are able to get a very clear picture as to what happened and what was happening in Jesus' time when he was born. Matthew, Mark, and Luke give us a wonderful historical account, a detailed account of exactly what happened. But what we said was this John's account, John's gospel, was very, very different to the other three apostles. John doesn't give us a historical account of Jesus' arrival into earth. John doesn't give us any details about the birth narrative of Jesus. For instance, John doesn't talk about the angel Gabriel meeting Mary in Nazareth and announcing those amazing, amazing glad tidings. That a Savior would be born through this virgin. John doesn't talk about the dilemma, the mental dilemma that Joseph had when he found out about Mary's encounter with God. John doesn't talk about the shepherds. He doesn't talk about the Savior being born in a cattle shed. John doesn't talk about uh, Mary and Joseph running for their lives to Egypt. John doesn't talk about Herod trying to destroy the Christ child. John misses all of that. He's very different. Very different as an apostle. But John's got this amazing ability to make wonderful statements of revelation that encapsulate everything about Christ. And he comes out in an opening statement within his gospel, John chapter 1, verse 5. And he sums up the whole birth narrative of that early beginning when Christ came into our world in the words that he declares to his listeners and to his hearers, in fact, to all for all time. He says this, verse 5, And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You've got to take hold of that. You've got to put your hope in that. You must never lose faith in that. Even though darkness may be all around you, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, like David said, I will fear no evil. Why? Light was shining in his darkness. The light shines. The light has shone for all time. And John, as an aged apostle, sees this, and what's so marvelous about this statement that John makes as an apostle of Jesus is the time in which he wrote it, an incredibly dark time. John, historians tell us, was the last writer. He wrote this in possibly A.D. 85 or A.D. 90. His writings were the last, John had seen horrific things. John had gone through terrible circumstances in the society in which he lived. And as, a, as an elderly man, he's looking back to that first Christmas when Christ came into the world, but not only is he looking back to that first Christmas, he's looking back through the successive times through which the church had undergone terrible persecution, terrible trouble, terrible pressing darkness, and to it all he declares, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. The Apostle John was well aware of General Vespasian's military, military, um, what can you say? Military venture as he went through Galilee, destroying city after city, butchering people. John was alive when that happened. When he, when he took his, his, his Roman armies, tens of thousands of Roman soldiers going through city after city, killing people and then taking hundreds of thousands of slaves back to Rome. We said that John was aware of the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D., when the, the, Titus, General Titus, rolled up with the Roman army again and surrounded the city of Jerusalem, and then after seven months broke through, destroyed the temple, killed over a million Jews, and again swept up hundreds of thousands of Jewish people back to Rome. John, the time in which John lived was terribly dark, terribly hostile difficult trials everywhere. When John wrote these words, Peter, his best friend, had already been crucified upside down, tradition tells us. When John wrote these words, the the great apostle Paul had already died in in a Roman cell, giving his life for Christ. So many things that John could have said But John is not retreating. John is not backing off. John is not trying to locate God through the lens of external circumstance. John is secure and certain about the Word of God. John is secure and certain about the life of Christ and His resurrected Lord. And he says the light shines in the darkness. We talked about the fact that John... The attempts that had been made on John's life. They tried to boil him in oil. They tried to chuck him off a building. And then finally, when they realized that they couldn't kill this man of God, they banished him to an island called Patmos in the Aegean Sea. And even there, he's getting revelation from God. Even there, in an exilic existence, he, 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 he locates... God, in the midst of terrible suffering and terrible trouble and pressing darkness, the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness, he says, cannot overcome it. Christian never, ever lose hope. Never lose hope. He's an ever-present help in times of trouble. No weapon formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that raises itself up against you, you can contend with based on the word that's been given to you in your heart. Never lose hope. Fear not, for I am with you, says the Lord, when you walk Through the water, I will be with you. When you pass through the flames, they will not harm you. I will be there. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm telling you now, the Bible that we hold in our hand is teeming full with promise after promise of assurance that God loves us. John has an amazing ability to make statements. It's John that encapsulates God in one word. He says, God is love. God is love. God is not circumstance. He says, God is light in him. There is no darkness. Amazing ability to sum up things in a sentence, to give us the whole narrative of how it all began in just one line. Yeah, there was darkness. Yes, it was great. Yes, it tried to engulf us, but it couldn't overcome the light that shone around us and shone from us. And it's the same today for each and every one of us. Let's just think for a moment of how that light came into Mary's life. Luke takes that up. And as we said, she was in Nazareth, a place that had a reputation of nothing good coming out of it. Imagine growing up in a place like that. A place that had a very negative environment. Now when you live in a negative environment and when you live in, in, in a place that has a reputation of nothing good coming out of it. It's easy for your image, your self-image, your expectations to get shaped by that. But that's the place that the angel visited. That's the place that the angel came to, to visit this young girl, Mary. And he he comes in and he says, highly favored of God, blessed among women. And he begins to tell her that she is going to bear a child. And he's going to be the savior of the world. Her question is, how can this happen? the angel says, with God, nothing shall be impossible. You're going to be overshadowed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, just imagine for a moment the plans that Mary had already established for her own life. Mary had plans Mary had preparations that she had already made. Her life was already going in a very fixed direction. Her life was already on course to achieve what she wanted to achieve. She was betrothed, the Bible tells us, to Joseph, to be married, engaged to be married. And all of the preparations that go into getting married. I mean, every one of us here that are married this morning, you know that there's a lot of preparations that go into making that big day happen. When you're engaged, one of the first things you do is you go public with it. You tell everybody. It's the happiest news that you want to share, and you send out your invitations, and all of the things that go on in those moments where You have prepared your plan for that great day. It was the same for Mary. It was the same for Joseph. And then suddenly, into this plan, into all of her preparations, comes this encounter with God. Comes this this new dimension of life to live in. New dimension, new direction, new focus. she accepts. That's the amazing thing. Be it done, she says. Be it done. Her heart leaps. Maybe her heart talks before her head understands. And sometimes that's what God requires. A heart faith that isn't dissected by your mind. A simplicity of trust that doesn't go through the process of calculation. And she she jumps and she says, yes, it shall be done according to your word. And right there, her life begins to move. What I love about it is this. She's not holding on to her plans so tightly that she misses the purpose of God for her life. You know, it's good to plan, it's good to have dreams, it's good to get excited about your future and what you want to do and, and, and really set your course and, and, and have a life, expect, a life expectancy that says, listen, I'm going to do this with my life and I'm going to achieve that and this is going to be my career and this is what I want to do and this is how I'm going to get there. That's good. That's good, but don't ever... Hold on to your plans to the expense of God's purpose. Don't ever do that. Don't ever do that. David said, oh, it's said of David, God said this about David. He said, he's a man after my own heart. And further along, David, it was noted about King David that he served the purpose of God in his generation. You see, he didn't hold tightly to his plans, to his way of doing things, to his direction and to his course. Yes, he had plans. Yes, he had desires. Yes, his life often went in a direction that he thought was right. But suddenly what you find when you read about David is that he would often just alter his course. Why? Because his life might be going this way and then suddenly he'd realize that the purpose of God is going this way. Don't ever hold on to your plans so tightly that you miss the purpose of God for your life. And Mary is pliable. Mary is, is open. And she said, yes, this is the way to go. I've got a promise. And then you read Matthew's account, Matthew chapter 1. And it's an amazing account. Again, I love the Bible because it shows us the pain. It shows us the mental dilemma of Joseph. It doesn't hide it. And it's a dark time for that man as he finds out that the one that he's betrothed to is is found to be with child. How can this be? The one that he loves. Now, Joseph's made the public announcement You know, when you were betrothed to be married, when you were engaged to be married in that culture, in that time, it's very different to when we're engaged and to be married today. It's very different back then. It was almost like you were married. You were married. You were just waiting for the day to consummate the marriage. But once you announced the betrothal, once you announced you went public with the engagement, That's when everybody considered you to be married. And then it's... You see, Matthew's account says this, which is is wild. It says, after after they were betrothed to be married, Mary was found to be with child. You know what? God's timing is not like our timing. No, no, no. God makes sure that Mary's found to be... be with child after they'd got engaged it was going to be awkward it was going to be difficult it was going to it was going to bring pain and misunderstanding in joseph's life but that pain and that darkness and that difficulty would be the crucible in which god would meet him i'm telling you now your problem your trouble can be your greatest friend it can be your your greatest It can be the greatest means of God shaping and molding and coming into what you think he can't come into. But I love Joseph's response because it shows you that the man was a man of grace and gentleness and love. Let's read Matthew chapter 1 verse 19 to 20. It says this, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make a public example was minded to put her away secretly. You see, he didn't want to make a public spectacle of his wife, although he could have. Other translation says that he was acquainted, well acquainted with the law. He could have taken her and he could have exposed her he could have taken her and made a public expect a public spectacle of her and under law she would have been guilty under law she would have been punished by death but joseph it says joseph considered these things but while he thought about these things. Oh, how life would be different if we thought about these things instead of just running on in there, jumping in the middle, rolling our sleeves up, and fighting our way through. No, hold back. Don't make a scene. Hold back. When you don't understand, think about these things don't be impulsive don't get angry self-control is necessary be slow to anger the bible says quick to hear slow to speak when you consider these things like this man that's the reality of your life be slow to anger oh it's so hard sometimes when life comes at you from this way and that way, it's so hard not to get angry. And you know, life knows how to press all of those buttons and get its finger right down into the area that you try to suppress and you try to hide and it presses it. But the Bible, and only with God's help, only with the help of the Holy Spirit and His life within us, can we, can we be enabled to live like this. It says, be slow to anger. Here's a man that was slow to anger, quick to hear. He was waiting. As he was considering these things, he was waiting. He was waiting. I asked the Lord the other, the other month, I'm a simple person, and he gave me a very simple answer. I, I mean, it's a really dumb question when you think about it. And I I chuckled when he said it to me. I said, Lord, I said, Lord, what does it mean to wait on you? Do you know what he said? Wait and see. (laughs) I tell you what, I, I realized how simple I was when I got the answer to my question. Wait and see, boy. Just wait. Just wait. Joseph was waiting. As he was considering these things, he was waiting I tell you now, if you're willing to wait, if you're willing to be patient, you will inherit the promise of God. If you're willing to hold out, life's pressing you for a response. Don't respond. The situations and the circumstances around you are pressing you to speak. Don't speak. There's a time to speak, but there's a time to be quiet Maybe it's your time to be quiet. He was quiet. He was willing to put her away secretly to honor her, to respect her, to look after her, to protect her. And whilst considering these things, it gave room for the Holy Spirit once the time had elapsed for Joseph to be in that pressing crucible the angel turns up in a dream and he begins to affirm and assure that everything's under hand it is from God and he's to take Mary as his wife and do you know what the bible says it says he took her as his wife and they went home he took the shame he took the misunderstanding he took all of the talk he took all of the pressure he took it home Light shining in darkness. And now the promise that Mary had is no longer a pressing problem that Joseph can't get beyond. He now has had an encounter, a word from God, and he's got a promise alive in his heart, you see. Let me say this. The voice that you believe will be the future... That you experience the voice that you believe. What voice are you listening to? What voice am I listening to? I often have to address the voice that I'm listening to because if I don't address it and if I don't adjust my life to, to God's word and to God's voice, the future that I experience might be a future of fear. It might be a future of depression. It might be a future of of all kinds of things that lie outside of what God has for me. Address the voice. If it's not in line with God's word, Joseph could have listened to the voice of justice. Joseph could have listened to the voice of law. I can't get beyond this. It's shameful. It's not right. You've concocted a whole story of God meeting you and an angel coming to you and talking about the, the Holy Spirit overshadow you and now I find you to be with child. This is ridiculous. Let me tell you, if a woman that you were a spouse to came to you, like Mary came to Joseph and said, I've, I'm found to be with child. I mean, what would your response be? And that's the dilemma, that's the difficulty, that's the darkness, the darkness, you see, that's the darkness right there. But light shone in it, even that kind of darkness, the most deepest darkness, relational pain that this man went through, even that darkness could not eclipse the light that shone and the word that he was given. So they're on their way. They're on their way. Mary's got an encounter, a promise. Joseph's had an encounter, a promise. I wonder why. I wonder why God didn't tell them that they were going to have to make a hundred-mile journey while she was with child, to Bethlehem, forced out of their location, pressured to go to Bethlehem because Caesar Augustus was undertaking a census. They go there just out of duty, but they don't realize. don't realize the prophecy is being fulfilled and they are being positioned. You see, God uses circumstance very often as a vehicle to take us to the place where he wants us. We can't understand the direction. We can't understand the decisions that we're not making that others are forcing us to take. We can't understand it, but could I say to you, it is possible that God uses external circumstances as a vehicle to position you exactly in His will. And that journey is not down some straight motorway. <laughs> Woo! That journey, you feel every bump. You, f- you, f- you feel the pressing darkness of a valley. You read your Bible and you see it all over it. That journey is not a smooth journey. 100 miles. And she's ready to give birth. You would be. After a 100-mile journey. I mean, I remember when Faye... And, you know, again, mums and dads, you'd remember this. When your little child is coming into the world, about to come into the world, you want to get him in an ambulance. You want, You want all of the external assistance that you can get to bring this little baby, this new life safely into the world. And they're being moved from pillar to post, a hundred mile hard journey. She is ready to deliver. It's been a hard journey. It's been a labor. And now she's in labor. And there's no room anywhere. You talk about trouble. I wonder why. The angel, when they were in Nazareth, when they were both getting their encounters with God and infused with His Word, I wonder why the angel didn't tell them about all of the problems and all of the darkness and all of the challenges and trials that they would have to get through in order to bring Christ into the world. They can't even get a room. And He's in a manger, born in a dirty cattle shed, And then shepherds are coming, then they're in a home, they go from there, they manage to get some kind of order, but then they're on the run. The angel didn't tell them that they'd have to go to Egypt for two years and hide out. There was no, there was no explanation, there was just the announcement of favor. The, the the living faith to respond to it, but no explanation about the details of what was ahead and what was going to hit them. Joseph in the Old Testament had a dream, didn't he? He dreamed of elevation. He dreamed of success. He dreamed of blessing. He dreamed of favor. He dreamed of rule and prosperity, a time that God showed him in his life where we, where he would have incredible status before people. The thing is, when, when God showed him all of that, He didn't tell him or show him the 13-year journey of hell that he had to go through to get there. A pit sold by his brothers that wanted to kill him into Egypt. A slave Then finally thrown in prison under false accusation. But I'm telling you now, when you look back over it all, it's in retrospect that you begin to see God. Because at the end of his life, Joseph said, Joseph said to his brothers and to everybody that would hear his story, what you meant for evil, God designed for my good." I'm telling you, God uses circumstance as a vehicle to get you and to position you into the places that he wants you to be. He really does. And this is what Christmas is all about. It's not about a star on a Christmas tree. It's not even about putting presents under a tree. And that's good. It's not about waking up to open a nice new smartphone or Apple product. Fantastic. Enjoy it. But Christmas in its true context is about light overcoming darkness. It's about going forward and not being defeated and being victorious because Christ lives in you. That's what Christmas is all about. It really is. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. We're going to close in just a few moments. We have to try, and it is hard. This one's hard. We have to try not to get disillusioned or discouraged by the attacks, that's hard, that is hard, you know, that's really hard. Don't get disillusioned or discouraged by the attacks because they could be an indication that you're carrying something of extreme value. You see, when you understand that there's a treasure in the package, when you understand that there's a treasure in the earthen, broken, imperfect vessel, you begin to understand why there is so many attacks, why it's queuing up, and it's got your name on it, that problem, that that cycle of depression, that cycle of fear that seems to come at the same moment of every year. You begin to understand because of the value of the gift that God has placed within you, you begin to understand why the attacks are so prevalent. But don't be discouraged by all of those events because the light shines in the darkness and the darkness will not never can overcome it Amen why don't we give him praise in this place this morning for his word Lord I thank you for your people Lord thank you Jesus Holy Spirit thank you you are an ever present help in times of trouble you didn't say that trouble wouldn't come but you did assure us and promise us that you would position yourself right in the center of it Lord thank you, you're the one that says don't fear don't look at me through the lens of fear and suspicion have faith trust and Lord at this Christmas time as we look back and remember that first Christmas into which you came Lord we put our faith in you we put our trust in you and whether we're at a high point of life when everything's going great or whether we're at a low point of life where everything's very difficult We say with Paul, the apostle, as he wrote to a church that was really struggling, we say with Paul, who faced tremendous trials and difficulties and all kinds of crises after crisis, we say with Paul, what shall we say concerning these things, the things that we don't understand, the things that we don't want, the things that hurt us and, and bring us down and cause us to worry and cause us to conclude all so many conclusions. Lord, we say to these things, if God is for us, who can be against us? We know that all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according To his purpose, to his purpose, to his purpose. We are called according to your purpose. So it's going to work out just fine. It's impossible for it to work out any other way because you're in the midst. And we're called according to your purpose. So you're going to take the good, the bad, the ugly, the shameful, the awful, the difficult, the dirty. And you're going to bring it up to yourself. And you're going to craft it because you're the God of glory. And nothing is impossible to you. This is the message of Christmas. You're going to make it good. You're going to make it good. Because you are God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. So, Lord, today I pray for your people. Peace, you said. Peace. I give to you. Peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives do I give unto you. Thank you, Prince of Peace. And thank you for stabilizing our mind. Thank you for holding us together mentally thank you for not giving us a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. We have a sound mind. We have a sound mind, and he whose mind is stayed on Jehovah is kept in perfect peace. We thank you no matter what trouble is coming around us. We thank you for perfect peace, perfect peace, perfect peace. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, And all God's people said, amen. Come on, stand to your feet. Let's give him a shout and a praise in this place. We're going to sing. We're going to shout his praise in this place. Come on, church. We give you praise, Jesus.